Hello again. I am excited to talk to you about Galatians today. Um, so again, go grab your Bible, pull up Galatians. Let's dive in. We are, um, I guess our goal here, if it wasn't clear in the last one, is to, I guess, debunk some of the lies that say that Paul preached against the law. So that's kind of the goal in this, or against God's commands. So we're going to use words like commands, so that's like the commandments, the law, which are also, so the written law is kind of what I'm referring to here when I say that. So the written law, which is God's commands that he gave to Moses that the Israelites followed. And what we're trying to talk about here, um, kind of in the series, is whether that's relevant for today or not, and to de- to debunk some of the things, possibly, that we've been taught. I don't know if you um, have heard some of these things when the word law comes up. Um, what runs through your head? Is it that it's been abolished? Have you heard that it's been nailed to the cross? Have you heard that we're no longer under the law? But even I've seen people say that we're above the law, which is interesting to me. Um, So some of these things that run through your head when you hear the word law. So when I'm talking about law, that's the law given to Moses, the commandments, and are they relevant for today? It's also talked about as the Torah, which is technically the first five books of of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, So that's all kind of summed in. And then one of the downfalls of our current English versions is that most of them don't differentiate between the different types of law. So there's the law of Moses, the written law, the law of God, those are all kind of the same things. Um, and the Torah, those are all kind of lumped into one. And then we have the sinf- the law of the sinful nature. So that's the law just of man basically that, you know, results in sinning, following our carnal nature. We also have laws given by man, which is kind of what the Pharisees and a lot of the Jews in Jesus' time followed to a T and were very, very legalistic. They preached that they had to follow these man-made laws for salvation, to be right with God. And that's kind of what Jesus came to (laughs) to speak out against. So with that summary, we can look at some of these trickier books of the Bible written by Paul, like Galatians and Romans and and think that he was speaking out against the law, so against the commands of God, that we're no longer under them, that it's been abolished, all of that. The tricky thing about saying that is that that would actually make Paul a false prophet. And I have have actually seen um, atheists or Christians that have walked away from the faith say that exact thing they have called Paul a false prophet because if we understand in numbers it talks about how to define a false prophet and 
that they should be dismissed if they teach to go against God's commands. If they teach to go, like, to not keep his commands, that that would technically be classified as a false prophet. So, they are not wrong when they say that if if what the church believes is that Paul was saying that the law is done away with, that means that he is a false prophet. However, <laughs> I would like to suggest, which is what it seems to be very accurate as I am learning more and more, is that simply we are misunderstanding him and that we in our current culture have not learned the Old Testament how we should have, how Paul would have understood it. Now remember, he was a Pharisee, so he understood all of these man-made laws that the Pharisees and the Jewish people followed, and he understood the commands of law of God and the Torah. And so when he's talking, he is talking from that that group of knowledge. So if we don't have that perspective of knowledge that he had, we can easily skew the things that he said. And Peter actually warns us about this, which is so interesting to me because Peter predicted this exact same thing, saying that if you don't understand things, um, if you don't understand that we can take Paul's words and skew them to our own destruction, that will lead us into lawlessness. It's all connected. In fact, a little tidbit, the Antichrist is actually known as the lawless one. And that's not talking about the government law. That's talking about God's laws. So, anyways, tangent there. Um, Let's read 2 Peter and remind ourselves what he said here. So 2 Peter warned us, Therefore, beloved, since we are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him. So Paul, he was affirming Paul here as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. So Peter warns us that there are going to be people that twist Paul's words to their own destruction and it will lead them into lawless ways. So super, I don't know if you're finding that as fascinating as I do, but I, (laughs) I find that extremely fascinating because as somebody who went to the church their whole lives, I know that at least the doctrines that I learned were very, very Paul-focused to the point of hearing that the Old Testament doesn't really matter, don't worry about it, and that the law was done away with, and we're no longer under it. And if that's the case, like I said, then he would be considered a false prophet. So that is some 
dangerous territory. So possibly could we be understanding what he's writing wrong? I think that there's a great possibility that that is true, that we are misunderstanding him and taking it out of context. All right, enough of that. Let's talk Galatians. So it's such such a good letter. I love it. But we do need to understand the context. So what I'm going to be reading from today is actually the complete Jewish Bible because... The beauty of this one is that it is taken from the Hebrew and Greek language instead of going through the Latin Vulgate, which was created by the Roman Catholic Church. So we actually are not missing some of these different terminologies to differentiate between the law. So he, Paul's talking to the Galatians were the Galatians, they were Gentiles. In Acts 2, he came to preach to them. A lot of them came to know Christ. And so now he's writing them a new letter saying, like, he even starts it in verse or chapter 3, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So he's talking to them and is like, guys, I was just there and I taught you these things. Who's bewitched you? And it's that other sects of belief were coming in trying to teach the Galatians that in addition to Christ they had to follow the law and follow the law of circumcision and follow all of these different things in order to be saved so Paul is trying to address that like hey these guys are coming in and they're teaching you false things this is not how you're saved you're saved through Christ by grace and don't fall into another form of slavery he even talks about chapter four in the past when you did not know god you served as slaves be you served as slaves beings which are in reality are non-gods sorry fumbling over words so they say they served other gods before he came but now you do know God and more than that you are known by God so how is it that you turn back again to these weak and miserable elemental spirits do you want to enslave yourselves to them once more you observe special days months seasons and years I fear for you that my work among you has been wasted Uh, so he's addressing that they're like they're wanting to go back to their old ways they are once again wanting to observe special holidays that are like the pagan days that they followed before and he's like no don't go back there and further on in chapter five what the messiah has freed us what the messiah has freed us for is freedom therefore stand firm and don't let yourselves be tied up again to a yoke of slavery so he's trying to ground them and talk to them and there's so many interesting things in here that he is addressing that make it sound like the law is no more but when you realize what he's talking about he's talking about the different um bondage so here there is a little tidbit tell me you who want to be in subjection to the systems that result from perverting the torah into legalism 
don't you hear what the Torah itself says? So this is where we get to see kind of the tweaking of the words when it, it like that it doesn't just say law, but it's that these teachers that were coming into the Galatians were teaching legalism. Here's another one. Therefore, we too have put our trust in Messiah Yeshua and become faithful to him in order that we might be declared righteous on the grounds ground of the Messiah, trusting faithfulness and not on the grounds of our legalistic observance of Torah commands. For on the ground of legalistic, legalistic observance of Torah commands, no one will be declared righteous. So, we are not saved by the law. So what purpose does the law serve then? And Paul talks about that. He says that we, because of the law, we know what sin is. So the, the law is what defines sin. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about it being a tutor until Jesus came. Was that it was teaching what sin is. And without the law, we don't know what sin is. So if we want to discard the law fully at this point, what does that mean? That means that we're just going to follow our own ways, what feels right to us. That, that seems a little fishy, right? Um, let's go a little bit further to talk about the section where he, it appears that he's calling it a curse. Let's talk about that. So, here we go. Um, so, Paulo also makes reference to the fact that cursed is everyone who does not continue in all these which are written in the book of the law to do them, which is actually a reference to Deuteronomy. Here's another version of it, verse 3, verse 10. So, if you go to there, you will see a little subnote that actually is referring us to another scripture. Um, this is super important to understanding context because you read that and you're like, ooh, the law is a curse. It must be. That must be what it means. I'll read it in this version. For everyone who depends on legalistic observance of Torah commands lives under a curse. Since it's written, cursed is everyone who does not keep on doing everything written in the scroll of the Torah. So you're like, okay, well, if I follow the Torah and then I mess up, then I'm going to be cursed, right? But that's not what it means. That's not what Paul is saying. So the little sub note is that he's actually quoting from Deuteronomy 27 verse 26. And he's actually talking about a specific pronouncement of laws that the priest would pronounce in front of people Um saying that if they break any of these laws they will be cursed so it's it's an actual curse in the law and if you actually read it it says cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image an abomination to the lord the work of the hands of the craftsman and sets it up in secret and all the people shall answer and say amen cursed is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his father's or his neighbor's landmark, um, who makes a blind wander off the road, who perverts justice, who sleeps with his father's wife. And it continues on. And, and these people that do these things 
will be cursed. So when it talks about the law of sin and death, and when it talks about the curse of the law, it's an actual literal curse in the law when you don't obey these things and that you will become cursed. Um, Hopefully I explained that properly because it feels um, a little bit different, I guess. So hopefully that makes sense, is that when he's saying cursed is are those that don't follow the Torah, he's actually referring to this section of curses. And then we continue on, which is, is so good. Um, I'm just going to read the whole thing here. Now it's evident that no one comes to be declared righteous by God through legalism, since the person who is righteous will attain life by trusting and being faithful. So those are two key things here, that we trust in God and we're faithful to him. That's what righteousness is. Furthermore, legalism is not based on trusting and being faithful, but a misuse of the text that says anyone who does these things will attain life through them. So he's explaining here to the Galatians that the legalist part, so when we say legalism, that means that they're enforcing that righteousness doesn't just come from trusting and being faithful. It comes from following all of these laws, and then that is how you're going to obtain life. And that's what they were preaching, is that they they cannot be saved unless they do these things. And that is not true. Because, Because the Messiah redeemed us from the curse, that curse pronounced in the Torah, the law, by becoming cursed on our behalf. So all these curses that it talks about, the Messiah did that. For the Tanaka, so for the Old Testament says, or the scriptures say, everyone who hangs from a stake comes under a curse. Yeshua the Messiah did this so that in union with him, the Gentiles might receive the blessing announced to Abraham so that through trusting and being faithful, we might receive what is promised, namely the Holy Spirit. So, uh, we now get into this fold. We are no no longer cursed because of what Messiah has done for us. So, again, one of these huge importances of understanding and reading the Old Testament, of understanding the Torah and reading it, is that we get such a rich understanding of what our Messiah did for us. If we understand that we deserve death because of our disobedience and our sinfulness, and we only understand sinfulness if we understand the law, if we understand all of these things, how much greater can we appreciate the work that our Messiah, our Savior, did for us on the cross, that he became the curse for us, that he took those those sins and bore them so that we would be under grace, And that we would be brought into that fold of Abraham and Israel and that through trusting God and being faithful, so those two things, we get to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what Galatians 5 kind of continues on with. And we also touched on a little bit last week is 
what that looks like is that we get the spirit now, which means that the law is now written on our heart. It's not done away with. It's not abolished, but it's written on our hearts so that we are better able to follow it because that was always the problem was that before the Holy Spirit, it was so hard. Like you were just caught up in this, this cycle of trying to do what was right, but not able to actually achieve it. And it just, it's so beautiful what, what God has done for us because he loves us, because he wants us to be part of that fold and he wants us to trust him and to be faithful and to be faithful to his commands. And they're so good. So going back to debunking all of these things, when we hear things like the law is evil, it's, it's an old school master, it's no good, it's a curse. And then actually doesn't make sense because God gave us these commandments and God doesn't change. I want to read just like a little quote here from the Journey Out of Egypt book. So we talk about that we're under grace now, right? Like that's always, that's the key word. We're under grace, we're under grace. So grace isn't only the forgiveness of sins, which is kind of where we stay. Okay, we're forgiven by grace through faith. And then that's it. But no, that's not it. It is the divine empowerment according to the spirit to help us to keep from sinning. So that's what Galatians is talking about. We now have the Holy Spirit, right? To keep us from sinning. Thus, the spirit is given to write the law of God on our hearts. That's what it means to be under grace. So it's not just that we stay under grace. It's that we get the Holy Spirit. He writes the law of God on our hearts. And then as we learn to walk in step with him, we learn about his commands. We learn yeah, how to walk in tune with him, to read the Bible, to pray, to spend time with him. We are going to learn more and more um, to walk in his ways. And they are not going to feel burdensome. They are not going to feel like a curse. They are amazing because they are God's best for us. You know that he created us in our mother's wombs. He knows us. He knows how human nature was even made Like because he created us. So these laws are made for our good because he knows how we work and he knows what's best for us. That's just the reality. He loves us, so let's go with that. So to finish off the debunking part of it, (laughs) um, let's just step back for a second and think. So if, if following the law is actually evil, that even though I think that we've kind of addressed all of those things, let's just think about for a second what Satan does. So Satan spent, has spent like, the whole Old Testament trying to lead God's people away from following his commands. Look at the history of the Old Testament. Even in the Garden of Eden, he tricked Eve into what? Into disobeying God's command, which was only one command, not eat the apple. (laughs) And he tricked her into eating it. And that has been his agenda consistently through the ages is to prevent God's people from following God's commands over and over again the Israelites did it right um and then he deceived the Pharisees into killing the Messiah killing Jesus because 
he was the only one who walked on earth perfectly and followed the commands and it he called out the the pharisees on what they were teaching and they got kind of upset about that um then again he deceived lots of the church to rejecting the law of god and then calf and falling into catholicism where catholicism basically cut the old testament and new testament in half and said that that's done away with and they actually rewrote i don't know if you know this but they rewrote the Ten Commandments and <laughs> their Ten Commandments look different. Uh, they took out the idol thing, which is super interesting. So this has just been happening again and again and again and has always been Satan's goal. So I just, again, I'm going to read this little excerpt from the uh, Journey Out of Egypt book. After all that, people somehow believe that it's God's will that we disobey his commands and Satan is the one that's tempting us to keep God's law? Is there any shred of logic in that thought progression? The whole purpose of the Spirit is to write the law of God on our hearts. If the Spirit is telling you to stay away from obeying the commandments, are you sure that you have the right Spirit? And meanwhile, we know that according to multiple verses, the Antichrist is known as the lawless one who will make war with those who keep the commandments of God and exalt himself above God. So that feels pretty heavy. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's a lot and it's a lot that I'm processing. Um, I hope that we can explore this more because there's so much beauty in what it looks like to walk with the spirit and how how he makes it easy to follow God's commands and how he guides us into that righteousness and it is simple it's not burdensome it's good just like the scriptures say that your commands are better than gold and jewels they are good and therefore are good so friends do not be deceived God's commands were made as a forever thing it says that in deuteronomy it was made as a forever thing and jesus did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it to uphold it and he says that not one dot or iota will be removed from the law until heaven and earth passes away and that has not happened yet But the good news is, is that we have the law on our hearts with the Holy Spirit. And as we walk with him, we will get to learn more and more what that looks like. And it's such a beautiful promise. So I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that (laughs) I pray that this makes some sense because this is so exciting to me. This is the missing piece of the puzzle on who makes the laws, who tells me what's good and bad in Christianity, what I should and should not follow is God it's not man it's not man-made doctrine it is god so walk in his spirit walk in his ways and uh, i guess we'll talk again next time love y'all